I want you to take your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, for a few minutes this morning. Isn't God good? God is not just only good. He's awesome. He's great. Whoa. Thank you, guys. God is great. You know, He's so great and He's so good that sometimes we don't even see Him. We don't even see Him. You know, I've got to share something with you. A couple of weeks ago, I did something that I never thought I would do. I lost my keys. How many here have ever lost the keys to your car? Well, I lost my keys, and I said, I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of lost my peace of God, actually. I lost my peace, and I went into panic mode because I have the keys to my car, my keys to the house, key to the church. And I said, I called up Carol. I said, Carol, I'm in a desperate place. I said, I've lost my keys. She's, and my wife, as she always does, she says, Ray, relax. We'll find your keys. I said, I don't know. This is not normal. This is out of the norm. She said, Ray, relax. My wife, she's just this level-headed, you know, she's, a, she's just level-headed that way. Sometimes I get a little emotional. But anyway, we're, uh, we're looking for the keys. We're looking for the keys and uh, everywhere. I mean, I always put my keys on the kitchen counter by a toaster. I mean, it's just traditional. It's been there for years. And I, it's right there. I usually put my keys right there by the toaster. And it wasn't there. We went upstairs, downstairs. I walked, came, I got, borrowed her keys, came over to the church. I went into my restroom, my office, her office, everywhere in the church, back home again, into my shop, everywhere. And finally, my wife calls me on the cell phone because I was in the house, again, rummaging. I mean, our house looked like a mess, rummaging through everything. She says, Ray, I found your keys. I said, where were they? In your ignition. In the ignition of your car. And you know, here's the, here's the funniest thing. Do you know it was the second place? I, I looked by the toaster first, but then I went out to my car. But my keys were in my ignition, which meant I left my keys in my ignition all night. The title of my message this morning for a few minutes is In Plain Sight. How many of you know God wants to show you things that are in plain sight that maybe are hidden? Do you know that the purpose of a believer is to search out and part of the joy of being a believer is to understand the mysteries of the kingdom? God never intended for you to be in the dark all your life about your purpose and understanding where you're going. He wants to bring a revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom and especially to his people. He's got something that your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, hasn't even entered in the heart of them that love him. Amen? But 1 Corinthians 2 says, but God has freely, freely shown us and given us these things. And here's the thing. It's in plain sight. But it depends on what eyes you're looking at, looking through, I mean. I want you to see something here, a very familiar text in Luke's gospel, chapter 4. Luke's gospel, chapter 4, verse 14. This is when Jesus has come out of the wilderness. And it says this here, verse 14. A few verses I'm going to read. I'm going to make some comments. I'm going to show a video clip, and I'm going to close. Praise God. And it says this. And Jesus returned in the power 
of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues or churches, being glorified by all. In other words, he was, his fame was just increasing. Things were happening. Things were popping. He was doing miracles, and this is up in the arena area of Capernaum. But I want you to notice something in verse 16. But he comes to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, everyone say custom. Jesus actually fit into the custom of a dead religion. He fit into the custom of an oppressed, dead religious mode for 30 years. 30 years. But guess what? All those people didn't see him even though he was in plain sight. How many of you believe? I believe today God wants to bring a shift to some people. God's going to open your eyes to things that have been hidden in your eyes. You haven't seen it. You didn't know it was there. All of a sudden you begin to see, wow, I didn't see that that was there. I didn't know that that was going to happen in my life. Years ago, I remember my dad put a trumpet in my hand. He says, Ray, I want you to learn to play. My brother and I, we both learned to play instruments. I didn't know I could play a trumpet. My, now, my dad made us practice, but you know what? That took me right up to the top. I became a first chair trumpet player until I started kissing my wife, then my lips wore out. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Wipe that off the tape. I'm just kidding. I'm just telling you that... I was a first chair trial. There were things, there were gifts that I didn't know. I was not aware of. But here Jesus, as his custom was, he submitted to his parents. He submitted to the scribes and the Pharisees for 30 years in an oppressed situation. How many of you believe that God wants to use you and bring you out of plain sight and use you in an oppressed situation? Jesus goes back. Most of us wouldn't go back to Nazareth. Here's the problem. One word. It's called familiar. How many of here have ever prejudged a church, a situation? You judged it and you said, oh, oh, I know that. I know that person. You know, they're a carpenter or they're a dentist or they're a salesman. And, you know, they, they, they really won't arise to anything huge. They're, they're, they're just, you know, they're just, uh, they just mow lawns for a living or you know, they, they really don't have a whole lot to offer that I can see that's important to me. Do you know that, that sometimes we can do that? And you know one of the reasons why we tear others down is because we ourselves have a real problem with our own sense of identity. But here Jesus is fitting into a custom. For 30 years, I've heard people actually say, oh, I can't believe why the Father would send Jesus to waste 30 years of his life and then only three and a half years really count. Let me say, tell you why. How many of you know Jesus didn't come as the Son of God, but he also came as the Son of Man? Do you know why he came as the Son of Man, not just the Son of God? Because Jesus is the first fruit among many. In other words, there is a word here, and I want you to hear. Some of you have been hidden. Some of you are in a place where you haven't seen the fulfillment of your dream or your vision yet, but God has you in a place where you're hidden because he's getting you prepared to come out. 
Amen? Say, it's not wasted. God doesn't waste. You may say, you know, my life in the past, some of us so much dwell, we're held hostage to our past. I can't move forward because of my past. No, God takes what the enemy meant for evil. He takes it, packages it. He makes them adjusted, changes your attitude, your outlook, your uplook. He begins to put a vision in your life. And he says, the very thing that you used to curse is the very thing that I'm going to use as a testimony to set others free. And he begins to move in your life and to advance the kingdom, not because you have great grades, not because you've been a goody two-shoes little Christian. God takes the worst of us and brings the best of us right to the top. And that's what he's doing here. Even though Jesus was looked at as a carpenter. Notice what it says. He was handed the book as was his custom. And he went into the synagogue on the seventh Sabbath day and stood up and he began to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the bruised. The word captive there is the Greek word translated bruise. You know what a bruise is? A bruise is an internal hemorrhaging. You can have a smile on the outside, but inside I'm hemorrhaging. The Bible says when you're set at, let me, do you know that when you're set at liberty, you're not afraid of getting hit because you're free. A bruised person withdraws. Don't go to church. Don't go around with people. I'm isolated. I'll stay by myself because people hurt me. See, you're bruised. But when you're healed and restored, by the way, God never, Jesus never said that you won't get, take, say, take some hits. He didn't say you wouldn't have some hits. But here's the thing. You're going to be free. Man, I get hit all the time. We all get hit by somebody. Somebody smiles, looks at us weird, says a wrong word, says you can't preach that. I get the whole gamut. Guess what? I just come back and bless them anyway. Because see, my Identity and my value and the favor and the blessing is not dependent on your opinion. It's dependent on what he says. Now you may say, Pastor Ray, you don't respect our opinion. No, I really do. I value you. But let me tell you, your value, your opinions do not shape who I am. It's what he says. So Jesus is here saying to set those that were captive at liberty. And he says, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year. The acceptable year was the year of double portion. Everyone say double portion. Double for your trouble. The acceptable year is the year of Jubilee. Three things happen in the year of Jubilee. Those that were oppressed, those that were in debt, and those that were in prison were to be set free. It was the year of double portion. Jesus was the embodiment of the year of Jubilee. He came to bring the good news. He was basically saying this. If you are poor, not financially, he wasn't wasn't in respect of just financial or economic, but he's talking about a poverty that is within the heart and the soul of a man that binds him to a way of thinking and living below his full potential. The good news is this is it. Here's the good news, folks. The good news is that God is greater in you than he that is in the world. Amen? 
But see, I have to make a choice. Am I going to listen to the lie of the enemy or am I going to listen to the, what God's word? And then I love what it says here down to verse 19 or verse 20. But then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fixed. Say fixed. Fixed on him. And he began to say, this verse is powerful. This is my message right here. Verse 21. And he began to say, today. Everyone say today. today. Say it again. Today. Today. today this scripture. He didn't say today. This scripture is fulfilled. He said in your hearing. He didn't say it was fulfilled in your understanding. He didn't say this scripture is fulfilled in how you see it. He didn't say this scripture is fulfilled in your ability to comprehend and wrap your mind around what he is saying. He said this scripture is fulfilled on the basis of how you hear. Everyone say hear. But it's not just how you hear. He said the scripture is fulfilled. Guess what that means? When you hear the word and you say it's fulfilled, guess what? You begin to bring that which is out of sight into sight. Amen? See, God wants to begin to bring things in our sight. But here's the thing. I want you to notice when Jesus said this, there were no choir singing. No angels were appearing. There was no lightning flashing. Jesus was standing there as he always was, like a carpenter. They remembered this. And notice what the response was down here. So all that bore witness marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Isn't it amazing when God gives us a word, sometimes we just kind of pick at it. Well, I really don't know. He's calling himself the Messiah. He's saying he's the coming one. How many of you know sometimes the biggest stumbling block in receiving what God wants is when we begin to make God be what we want him to be for us. See, the Jews were, was hoping for a political and an economic Messiah that would come like a military man that would deliver them from the oppression of the emperor of Rome. But Jesus comes of a poor peasant girl by the name of Mary and a carpenter whose father, stepfather was Joseph comes into the world. For 30 years, it was his custom. He dwelt among them but was not even aware of him. Now, what's my point? My point is this, is that God wants to bring things into sight. But then Jesus preaches his first message. By the way, this would clear out any church. Notice what he begins to say as they responded. You're, you're just the son. You're just the son of Joseph. And he said, you will surely say this proverb to me. You need to get healed because you are a nutcase. That's what they were saying. You need to go get healed, Jesus. You're a nutcase. You're claiming to be the Messiah. Come on, that's not what we were expecting. What, what is this scripture all about? Is, is it just some historical piece of literature for 2,000 years ago? No, what the Holy Spirit is saying today is that God has a prophetic word, a word for all of us. 
And we need to move from the natural to supernatural. We need to move from just thinking about being ordinary into becoming extraordinary servants with people who have a fresh vision to begin to hear and to begin to say, my healing is fulfilled. My destiny is fulfilled. I am not an addict anymore. I am not a survivor. I'm not just getting by. I am more, more, more than a conqueror in Christ. I will not be subdued by my lie, the lies of the past. I am not subject to the bondage that has come through generational curses. I am not just Joseph's son or Bill's son or Fred's son or Ray's son or Pete's son. I'm not just the son of a father who abused me, a mother who spoke down and tore me apart and shifted me from house to house. I am a son of God. I have an anointing on my life. There is a fresh start and anointing on me. See, Jesus comes into this dead, oppressive, faithless, fearless group of people. There was no response. He says, this day, this day, today, today. I believe the Holy Spirit is about ready to advance some people today. If you can just get one word today, and that word today, everyone say today. Today is the new day. I'm not going to just go back into the cycle of defeat and start living in the cycle of thinking, well, I just can't, I just can't. Get rid of the word can't in Jesus' name. You know, some of us say, you just don't understand. I can't pay my bill. I can't get through. I can't seem to get through. Let me tell you something. You can do all things. You may say, you know, Pastor Ray, that's just power of positive speaking, preaching. No, the word of God is the rhema of God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And light came out of nothing. The worlds came out. You, here's what Jesus does. He starts his ministry, and then he begins to proclaim to this congregation. He said, I say unto you assuredly that a prophet is not accepted in his own country. Everyone say own country. Why? Is because of tradition. Because of familiar knowledge. I'm going to tell you something. God spoke to my heart several years ago. He says, Ray, do you want to see a move of God in your church? I said, I'm a candidate, Lord. And this is what the Lord said. Now, I need to define this because I always get in trouble when I say this. But the Lord says, get ready for a mess. And I said, well, what do you mean by a mess? Are we just going to have the church run wild and swinging on chandeliers? No, that's not what we're talking about, a mess. God says, I'm going to send people into your church that others won't accept. How many of you believe that God may send people that might be liars? Some be, may be coming into our churches that might be thieves, robbers. Some people may have a past. Some people may come out of different types of club scenes and broken lives. How many of you believe God cares for those people? And you see, we're not going to remember them as Fred's son or Susie's son or Susie with a past or Fred with a past. We're going to look at them not as spiritual orphans, but sons and daughters of the living God, anointed with power. And God's going to take the brokenness. He's going to take the weakness. He's going to take that. And the Bible says he's going to wash them 
by the water of the word because he loves not just his people, but he calls those prostitutes. He calls the pimps. He calls the drug addicts. He calls those that have been addicted. He calls those that have been abused. He calls those that have been cast out. He says, they are my bride. But here we find in this passage, it says that Jesus goes on and he begins to talk. I'm going to paraphrase it. He talks about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha represent two types of revival, two types of move of God, supernatural intervention revivals that came into two different generations. Elijah was a prophet who the spirit of the Lord was upon to restore. As we see in the book of Malachi, he says, I will send the spirit of Elijah in the last day and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the restoration of families. Elisha was a supernatural ministry, but he said this, Elijah, there were many, many widows in Israel during the days of Elijah, but to none of them, Elijah was sent, but to a widow in Zarephath. What he was saying was this, is that God did not go to his own people, but he went to a Gentile widow. Here's the point. Boy, this is tough to hear. God doesn't respond to your needs. He responds to faith. There were widows that were dying during the three and a half years of famine. You go back into the book of Kings. That's what he was saying. There were many widows. Widows were the most vulnerable people in the days of Israel under Elijah's ministry. A famine in the land. But to none of them he was sent. Here's my point. Do you have faith? Because if you have faith, that means this. I'm going to choose to see what I don't see. I'm going to choose to live from the inside out instead of the outside in. Living, everyone say inside out. Instead of outside in. In other words, I'm not going to let my circumstances rule my peace. I'm going to let the peace of God rule my life. Here's the thing. Elisha, the Bible says, there were many lepers in Israel during the days of Elisha, but to none of them. Elisha was sent. Leprosy. Death. It's a bacterial viral viral infection. I've actually seen lepers in Asia, Southeast Asia on the island of Java. When when they would come, their limbs were just eaten by the bacteria of lepers. They had literally leprosy camps. And they they are amazing. They beg. And they will show you their limbs and they're asking for money. It's, it's, it's almost deplorable, but, but the, not only that, the stench of their flesh, it was so sad. We actually prayed for lepers when we were down there on the island of Java. This is way back when Rick Walker and I went down to Sarabaya to a Bible school. I was ministering down there several years ago. But I want you to notice here the Bible. Jesus makes this statement. He says, to none of the lepers that were in Israel, God sent Elisha to, but to Nahum the Syrian. Again, another Gentile. Why? Because there was no faith in Israel. I'm going to ask open heavens. Do you want to see the impossible? Do you believe that you were created for extraordinary things? Do you believe that God wants to use your voice and use you? I want you to jump over with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. Notice what it said, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. I want you to grasp this because you're not just an orphan this morning. You are a spiritual son and daughter of the king. And I want you to see the first word it says in 1 John chapter 3. It says, behold, in plain sight. Everyone say behold. 
It literally means, the word here, behold, means literally to see and to visualize, to see it, visualize it, grasp it. Behold what manner of the love of the Father hath bestowed in us that we should be called the children of God. When you are a child of God, guess what that means? You have his DNA. We brought little Ricardo up. And you know I love little Ricardo because he looks just like daddy and mommy. Little Ricardo had a little bit of Anthony, a little bit of Camille in him. and looks just like mommy and daddy. Guess what? When you're born of God, you start looking like your father. You start loving what your father loves. You start eating what your father eats. You start looking at you. You guard your heart. The Bible says that we are called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. It doesn't mean that we're isolated in some mountain in Colorado. What it means, this, this, is that you are, have such DNA in your life that you just can't run with the crowd. You just can't go where they go. Now, that doesn't mean we're not tempted. It doesn't mean at times we might not even, of course we're going to fail. The Bible says in John that we stumble at many things. But the righteous man may stumble seven times, but he gets back up. Why? Because he knows he has a DNA. He has a seed in him that says, I can't live in sin. I belong to my heavenly father. I'm going to begin to see in plain sight what I wasn't even seeing because it was so hidden. See, sometimes our identity is hidden because we spend all our time looking at the things that we've done wrong instead of the things that he did right. How many of you know grace is about what he did and not what I've done right or wrong? And so John here says we've got to look at the Father's love. Beloved, now. Everyone say now. Not Sunday, but now. He mean now? What does now mean? Now. Now we are the children of God. And it does not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, some people think that that has to do with spirit, soul, and body. No, he's talking about our physical bodies being transformed. But there is a renewing and empowering by the Holy Spirit that gives us right now the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the faith of Christ. I have the vision of Christ. And notice what he says, because this is what Jesus did. It says here, verse 3, and everyone who has this hope, everyone say hope. It's love that empowers us to be sons, that gives us hope. In him purifies himself just as as he is pure. One of the ways that you know you're a son of God is you want to live a pure life. Amen. I want to tell you something. I used to have a pornography addiction. And you know what? It was easy in my mind to go into that kind of a lifestyle. But you know what? God put such love and grace in your life and, and, and has equipped us with the understanding and the knowledge how to win the war. And let me tell you something. It just gives you such victory over it. I don't have to go back and drink out of the sewer line anymore. You can really be free. And I want to tell you, the church is not about a bunch of goody-two-shoes Getting up on the plow. I'm so grateful that I've never done anything wrong in my life. Never cussed, never swore, and I've never, never, never chewed gum. Thank you, Jesus. God help those kind of churches. God wants people up here. I, do you know why God chose Peter? 
the liar and the coward and the apostle Paul who persecuted, hurt people because God was showing everyone else how far low and how far deep God's love would go down in grace, would not only go down to the depths of the sewer where a lot of us have been swimming, but he goes down and he shines his light, but he doesn't shine light to judge. He says, I love you even in the depths of your sewer, and I'm raising you up. I'm going to wash you. I'm going to wash you of your sins. I'm going to wash you from all your iniquities. I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness, and I'm going to crown you with loving kindness. Then I'm going to take and put a scepter in your hand, and that scepter is going to be a scepter of grace, and it's going to be a testimony that's going to bring change and life and deliverance to those outside who do not even know me. You are in plain sight. Right now. Now. Everyone say now. Now look at your partner right next to you and say now. Now turn to the other one and say now. I'm not defeated. I'm not weak. I'm not full of fear. Now. I'm a son of God. Notice what it says. I'm a son of God. And whoever commits sin, notice commits lawlessness and lawlessness and you know that he was manifest why was he made made manifest why do we see him to take away our sins you're not a liar anymore you're not an addict anymore you're not an alcoholic you're not a victim of abuse anymore what Satan meant for evil, God takes, turns it around, equips you with power, gives you a testimony, raises you up, uses you as a trophy for his grace, and people see you and say, wow, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. Some of you, God's going to turn you into preachers. You too. Got to loosen your tongue. There's a river in you. He's going to open that like a river. Same thing with you, Mark, Jonathan, all you've got. Man, there's art all over you. Amen. God just wants to do something in a way in releasing the artistic ability. You are a young man that amazingly sensitive, amazingly just have a heart for people, a heart for your generation. You even said, Lord, can you do anything in my life? He says, I'm going to do things that are abundantly above what you could ever ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 is your word today. Amen. Praise God. Ephesians 3.20. He's going to use you. I want, to, I want you to realize, folks, that in plain sight, you need to start. Last scripture. Jump with me. 2 Corinthians 4. Last, last thing here. Then I'm going to show you a quick video clip. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.18. I'm sorry. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Everyone say not seen. I'm not looking at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Stop looking in the mirror and putting yourself down. Stop looking at yourself and saying, I'll never make it. You are actually speaking word curses and you're actually agreeing with Satan because those word curses become inner vows that you bind to a lie that impedes and hinders the progress of God's promise in your life. And you need to break those inner vows in Jesus' name. And you say, I am not in fear. I'm not a victim. I'm not subject to some event or incident in my past. I am a new creature in Christ. And now I'm a child of God.
Pastor, is it just emotion? No, it's not emotion. It's the promises of God's word. He says, we're not going to look at the things which are seen. Does that mean oh, we're just kind of living in denial? No, it's not about living in denial. It's about realizing that no weapon formed against you can prosper. It's about realizing that when Satan comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. We're not living in denial. We know there's a devil. We know the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said that. But he said, I come that you might have life. And he also goes on to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to show you a video clip. I just love this clip. I showed it many, many years ago. But it illustrates how some people didn't see greatness in a young autistic boy that was phenomenal. Just watch this tape. Do we got it, Bill? Or do we have it? Oh, it's on. Grace Athena High School in Rochester, New York, has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic, to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Okay. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team. For the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I missed. it? I just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. His second shot missed, too, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have believed it, you know. You caught fire. I just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers, one right after the other. He had 20 points total, and each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different, but never this different. Never this wonderful. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Rochester, New York. Amen. You know, maybe your custom, like Jesus, is you've been hidden, but God wants to begin to bring us out. God wants to begin. It's not about bringing you out for any of your glory. It's about Christ being glorified in us. How many of you know God wants to be glorified in our people? But there is a false humility today in many people. They think, oh, I, 
I don't want to do anything. I don't want to say anything. I, I, I don't want to be up front because I, 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 I don't want to get any glory. I want all the glory to go to God. Well, guess what? You're actually hurting what Jesus wants to do. He wants to use you. So we've got to start casting off this false humility. Now, I, I know there's, there can be an arrogance. The pendulum can go the other way where, hey, look what I did. Thank God. I did it. Uh, that's dangerous as well. But then we have on the other spectrum this false humility where the church becomes so polarized and stale that it does nothing because we're so full of fear. Love releases you. Fear binds you. Everyone say that. Love releases you. Fear binds you. Bow your heads this morning, would you? How many have just enjoyed the service today? The Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you right now, I believe the Lord is taking us to new levels. Jesus said today, in your hearing, the scriptures are fulfilled. My question to you is, what are you hearing? Are you hearing him call you out? Are you, are you seeing, like this autistic boy, are you seeing yourself coming off the bench, getting into the game, and really making a difference? Or are you going to stay on the bench and be limited by what doctors or what other people say about you? It's time to be released, church. Jesus didn't die on the cross just to forgive your sin. He died on the cross to make you a champion, to release you, to set you free to be everything he wants you to be. Can you say amen? Can you stand to your feet here? Just stand to your feet. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor Ray, I need the Lord to touch my hearing. Today, in your hearing, maybe you're not hearing the clear word, a faith word, a word that's going to launch you into a place where God says you're approved, where he says you are a favored, beloved son in whom I am well-pleased. Do you know your heavenly father sees you as a son or a daughter that's well-pleasing to him? And if you don't see that, then you're living way below what he expects you to live on. That's the mind of Christ. That's not pride. That's what he designed you for. He designed you to be a conqueror. He designed you for greatness. He designed you to be a child of God where sin no longer has a grip on you because his love launches you. Fear binds you and holds you. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor, I've got some lies I've lived in fear. I've let things hold me. I need release from that. If that's you right now, lift your hand all over. I want to pray for you right now. Okay, see your hand. See your hand. See your hand. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to, I want to ask you to do one more step. You don't have to do this, but I feel I need to pray with you. Our elders are going to pray. We're going to pray a release of faith to launch you. God is here not to whip you or to embarrass you. He is here to launch and to empower you with favor. Everyone say favor. I want you to get up tomorrow morning and say, God likes me. God likes me. Everyone say that. God likes me. Because Now, I saw some of you who didn't even move your lips. We're going to say that one more time. Say, God loves me. He loves me. He likes me. He approves of me. Not because of what you did. It's what Jesus did. It's not my righteousness, it's his. That's not an endorsement for sin because it's love that transforms me. If you want that today for impartation, I want you to come. We're going to pray, and there's going to be a Holy Spirit fire that is going to do something in you right now. If our elders could come too. Our elders, just come on down. 
Those who raised your hand, don't be embarrassed. Let's come and ask the Lord for impartation. We're going to anoint you with oil. Amen. We're going to anoint you. We're going to see a quickening in your life. Maybe, maybe this morning you don't even know Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is not here to embarrass, hurt, wound you. He's here to love on you. He's here to love on you. He's here to let you know you're my son. You're my daughter. I care about you. Do you know that you are God's Christmas present? Turn to your neighbor and say that. You are God's Christmas present. He's, he's opening you up to realize the value in the beauty you are. You may say, oh, well, I thought he was my Christmas. Yes, he is our Christmas present, but you're his Christmas present. When he looks at you, he says, man, I want to unwrap you. I want to display you and how my goodness has transformed you. I'm going to take what the devil meant for evil, turn it into good. I want to bring joy back. I want to bring peace back. I want to bring a river of life back. I want to let you know that the things of the past are broken. You're a new creature in Christ. This is a day. Today, everyone say today. Today is a fresh start. I'm going to do a new thing in a fresh way today. But we got to get used to we got to let go of some of these customs, man. Because when Jesus comes into our life, it might shake and rattle us. I wasn't expecting this. But he's declaring liberty. He's declaring double portion. He's declaring sight to the blind. He's declaring freedom from the prison of sin. Freedom from the prison of fear. Freedom from the prison of your own past. He's here to declare your mind. I love you. I declare my love, my favor, my power over you now. Amen. Do you believe that? Oh, Pastor Ray, you're just all emotional. No, I really sense God wants to touch our hearts. Amen. Extend your hand right now. I want everyone to say this with me, even the ones down here. Everyone say this. In Jesus' name, I receive my sonship. I'm a son, not an orphan. I'm a conqueror. I'm not a victim. I am created in his image. And he loves me. And because he loves me, I love him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. I am just like my father. I think like my father. Because he lives in me. And greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I receive it. I accept it. I believe it. It's mine. Devil, get out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Turn to your neighbor. Give him the hug. We're going to start praying and ministering over people. God bless you. Amen. Feel free to come down for prayer.